coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Franchise Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Rob Ganley, and today I have a very special guest sitting with me. His name is Nick Ridgway. He's the Director of Franchise Development at Curtech USA. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. Glad to, glad to be on. Yeah, it's good to have you. So I know I, I said this to you earlier, and I love starting the conversation with how you got to where you are and you know, a little bit about your background, because you probably have an extensive one. Well, I know you do. But anyway, tell us a little bit of how you wound up with Pertech and that journey. Yeah. So I wasn't in franchising prior to working for Pertech. I worked for a company, Scott's Miracle Grow, which a lot of people know and did district sales manager and sales management for them in a few different cities in the Midwest, St. Louis and Chicago. And then I came across the opportunity in 2016 to come work at Pertech. Here at Pertech USA, I've had three really different positions. Didn't start in FranDev either. I started as a field support, so a field consultant, supporting our franchisees on a local level, traveling the country, learning the business, learning franchising. And then in 2019, I was promoted to franchise development manager, and I've been doing franchise development ever since. Oh, wow. So you got into franchising from now, Scott's. That's not, that is or isn't a franchisor. That is that's not a franchisor. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But there are a lot of franchisors in that space, huh? Yep. Um, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about that transition because, you know, I, I've been in franchising a while and, you know, franchising, what is that exactly? Well, it's an idea, right? It's a business model, it's a, it's a way to grow, but it's a collection of business, you know, a lot of industries, uh, three or 400 industries, thousands of brands, but like we always say franchising, like it's an industry. It's not really an industry, but it is a community, if you will. Mm -hmm. So like, tell me about that. Like, what are your thoughts now that you've been in this world for a while? I've always loved it because it's a collection of entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs and together you're a big, big concern. So I always liked that, but tell me your thoughts of getting into this space. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's, it was tough in the beginning, right? Coming from the corporate world. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different structure. It's not like franchising. You're not working with independently owned and operated businesses. So the hierarchy is different. I mean, there's a lot of differences between working in the corporate world and, and franchising. So, But coming into it, I, I knew how to manage people and work with work with different people. I knew service companies coming from a service company myself. So I knew how to get into that with the owners. But the first thing I had to learn was franchising and how to be able to to help these owners go from one step to the next or educate them on what to do next in their business to achieve a certain result. Mm -hmm. And then also just learn our business. We have a unique business model. So not only franchising and learning that, but I had to learn our business so I could help and be effective in my role at the time. But franchising also is a lot different with once you start getting into franchise sales. I mean, trying to, to you're working with people on showing them this is a good investment, working through FDDs, all the all the litigation and just FTC rules you got to follow from a franchise sales perspective, it's a lot different than selling fertilizer, right? So you've got to do a lot of studying and research and really dive into it. And so I really spent a lot, a lot of time early on in 2019 
going to franchise conventions, working on obtaining my CFE. I mean, just really engulfed into it, working with vendors and learning from them, learning from peers that I meet within the franchise industry from going to some of these conferences. And it really just helped me mold into what we're at, where I'm at today on how I've been able to continue to grow in the, in the franchise development role that I'm in and be be a leader and and a manager and just a, a positive influence on our brand and within our organization. So. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I, I I love the concept, and I always have to deal with with vendors, partners, and consultants because I am one, and I help a lot of franchise brands with different things uh, in related to uh, marketing and, and and technology. So I'm working with a lot of people a lot of the time, and it's very hard to convey what a franchisor is, and for the new emerging franchise brands, that is also a hard thing to teach is to become a franchisor. And it's like, it's a unique idea that you're helping others start a business that you know a lot about. But helping someone start a business includes a lot of details, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the concept is you're not in business for yourself or by, you know, you're not in business for uh, by yourself, but for yourself, right? And that's why franchising tends to be extremely successful in terms of if you compare it other types of uh, you know ways to get into business for yourself. So that's the thing that's unique that I love. I love helping entrepreneurs or people that might come from a corporate background, you know, invest in a business. There's so much excitement and it's such a different thing. So, but then helping someone like that, and you know this from the franchise development, you're on the front end helping them decide, is this a fit for them? And you're helping decide, is it a fit for our brand? And so then you're bringing them in and, and just that whole process is fun. So like you said earlier, it's like I had to learn franchising, but then I had to learn the actual business too. <laughs> so, yep. so you had to do both. So tell, let's jump into that. What Tell us a little bit about Pertech <clears throat> and uh, yeah, maybe a little bit about what makes it a unique franchise business model. Yeah, so it's the only franchise business model of its kind. So there isn't anybody out there doing hydraulic and industrial hose service like Pertech is. Um, so that's one thing that makes us unique. Uh, but we're an essential service, right, to use a COVID term. Uh, I mean, we're, we're something that's essential to these local industries, construction, manufacturing, distribution, your cities and municipalities. This is something they need for their day-to-day operation to keep their business operating. Um, so one of our value propositions is being part of the community, and we really believe in that. But our service really is part of that. I mean, we keep the we keep buses running. We keep construction moving. We keep the garbage from getting uh, being picked up. And I mean, those are all things that are, are very important things that just in our day-to-day lives that you don't think about. I knew nothing about hydraulic hoses coming into this. I had no idea there were so many purposes for a hydraulic hose in, in the world today. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it far outreaches just what's on a piece of yellow equipment on the side of the road. Right. So, yeah. um, so there, they, there's so many opportunities and to, to be able to expand into that. And it's just, it's good to see our brand continue to grow that way as well. And what separates us apart is that we're a service company. So we don't just sell the hose. I mean, we're providing service on site 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We're providing it on Saturdays. We're providing it over the counter if they want to do the work themselves. So as a service company, we tried to figure out a way to service the customer. I mean, we know they have the need. It's just how are we going to be able to provide it to them, either on site or over the counter, and however you want to do it. So so that's what makes it unique. And like I said, how many? Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So so tell me, um, so with that said, you know, it's unique. Well, it's very unique because it's the only one. So that's cool. And you're talking about, 
something that's mission critical. And I love that because in the, the tech world, I lived in that world, like, you know, servers or applications being up running all the time, split testing and redundancies. And yep. because certain things can't break or if they do, it's painful for certain situations or it can be very costly. And it sounds like that's exactly what your business is about is servicing a lot of different business models, a lot of different business types with mission critical. It, it runs like the, like our dial tone. Like my my dad's, a, he was a guy, uh, he's not with us anymore, but he was a guy from the old phone company days. And he really impressed upon me that it really makes no, it doesn't matter if that tone, is it, if it's not available one minute out of any day, it's not good enough, right? Because when that person needs the phone, it could be, that important so it's like mission critical to have a dial tone and a lot goes into that you don't <laughs> think about right um but it's like you guys so tell can you walk me through um can you walk me through like what does a customer look like well, what would be a good customer and what am i doing for him like exactly like hey, they use the hose for this and this is how it affects the world and can you walk me through an example of, of, of something yeah, yeah. To deal with everybody? So, I mean, just like we're talking on this podcast today, right? You need internet for it to be able to function, for us to have this video uh, ability here, and for you to be able to post this afterwards, right? For people that have hydraulic equipment, all the industries that operate with hydraulic or even industrial type hoses, they need that to be able to operate. Like the equipment doesn't run without a proper, with a proper functioning hydraulic hose. Um, there are safety issues with that. You lose hydraulic power. Um, so there's a lot of industries that run on it. The ones that people really see let's just talk about some big ones one is construction so you have like your heavy equipment rental and construction companies you see them all over in different shapes and sizes and types of construction uh, from residential construction to commercial construction to road construction to i mean it just goes on and on um, another one would be like waste and recycle companies um, so we throw garbage all your cities and municipalities you have like waste management public services and all those trucks are hydraulic driven. All the landfills have hydraulic equipment through it. All the compactors and the presses and the grinders and everything that's in those in, in those places run on hydraulic power. And it's all one, one feeds to the next. Um, but then you think about manufacturing would be a really big one. Um, everything that you own today goes through a manufacturing process somewhere. Um, I mean, so it's got to be either injection molding machines or presses or uh, some sort of assembly line. Uh, that that it's coming off of with forklifts getting it to the trucks and the semis transporting it. Uh, all of those, a lot of those things run on hydraulic power. Uh, so, and there's and when you look at the the cities in around America today, right, or even Canada, um, I mean, they all have that's consistent in every market you go to, right? So there's development, infrastructure growth, there's construction, there's manufacturing, there's distribution in your waste and recycling. Uh, so there's ton, and th I mean, those are just real top industries, right? You can continue to go uh, all the way down to every boat has hoses on it. And I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of stuff. So, yeah, right. Yeah. And a lot of it is mission critical. So I'm just thinking, yep. you know, what, you lock in customers and they're your customers. I mean, it would be probably take some doing to to lose a customer. I'm not saying there's not a lot of variables that go into that, but, but, it, you know, there's a lot of business models where, it's a real challenge to keep customers. And there's some business models where once you have a customer, it might be harder to get a customer, but once you have them, you have them. And I yeah, would so guess I mean, that one, this is... Yeah. One thing I would add to that too, Rob, is that, I mean, we're a premium product and premium service and keeping customers is, re is a responsibility from the phone call to the job that's dis dis uh, when it's uh, dispatched to how that we perform the service on site, the follow through and the invoicing, and then the follow up that goes beyond that. I mean, it's consistent, right? Everybody's got to do their part in order to get that customer to come back. 
Uh, people will pay premium prices. People will use service companies and that's both on commercial services or, or at your home. Um, but they want to make sure that it, the process is being done right. And that's one thing here at Protect we execute very well is that uh, our franchise owners do a great job of employing the right people, ensuring that the value propositions are upheld there on the local market and services delivered and customers want to continue to come back. Uh, yeah. So it's really yeah, yeah. easy to lose them if you do a bad job, right? So you want to make sure that every time is an opportunity to, to show what you got, what, what you're worth yeah. and what we can do to yeah. get, save their baking because it could save that company thousands. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I know. I mean, like I said, I uh, early in my career, I did you know infrastructure for technology like servers, and and that was critical stuff, data centers, um, and people will pay, but yeah, you you do need to you do need to deliver. So so tell me um, tell me about the competition. Um, I know you're unique as a brand as a franchise opportunity, and and you kind of hit on a few things that makes me think about some other brands I often talk to. Um, because what's out in the marketplace that's not a franchise sometimes doesn't compete as well because they're not run with processes and systems and, and a franchise or like we talked about earlier, a franchise brand above to help. So tell me, does that play into this too? Do you guys find yourselves being that company that is dependable, does execute, does versus maybe some other businesses that are local that maybe it, it's a little, where how does that stack up i mean is it is everybody as good as you and you just uh, someone's or how does it work are you guys are you guys more dependable than others how do you compete well there there is we have a lot of competition out there most of them are just on a local level people that have opened up um hose shops in there maybe a distributor for another hose brand uh, and maybe they do some mobile service on the side right so there, there is some great competition out there people we compete against every single day but there's a clear advantage of being a franchise system um and a lot of that you alluded to with the processes uh with the with the network of franchise owners uh, we have 145 locations today well over 100 owners right so you have people doing it in different markets in two countries both in the us and canada that have figured out processes and, and how to streamline this to make us more effective. Um, so I think the strength is in our ownership group. Um, and then also we have a, a great quality product. Um, we have a global reach as well, right? Where we operate in 24 countries. We've kind of oversee the US and Canada here, but we're founded in Australia. We operate in the UK. And, I mean, there's 24 countries in total that Pertech operates. Um, yeah. So that gives you gives you some opportunity to be able to streamline the process, really build the value propositions, and focus on what's important. We don't we're not trying to be a service company that goes out and does everything. We focus on hydraulic and industrial hose. So when when our when our focus is so when we're so focused on just one thing, we can do that one thing really well. So gotcha. very cool. So if if you're uh, what kind of candidate? Um, do you guys typically find? I bet you it's very diverse, but but tell me a little bit. Walk me through who you're looking for or who, what you look for in a candidate, and that that a process of coming on board, and that maybe that first year where you're obviously there's a lot to do, and you want to get that 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 business up and running. Um, tell me a little bit about that process that first year, how you're supporting, how your team is supporting. I know. You know, you've got a team and, and you know, uh, a lot of resource behind you. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. But yeah, start with a candidate. Like, what is the, what's the best? How does a candidate know if they're a good candidate? Uh, that might yeah. be helpful. And then what does that first year look like once someone moves forward and, and you get going with them? Um, so that's a really good question. I think it's a question that comes up a lot. 
um, from different vendors, suppliers we work with and other franchisors we may have relationships with. Uh, and that that's a, you hear it at the conferences too, right? What's the candidate? And I think you hit the nail on the head is we do a very diverse group. I have people that come from being CFOs. We have a lot of engineers. We have people that have come up through our network, more than 10 uh, that started as technicians in the field and work for their owners and grown to be owners themselves. And we even have owners that have come from Pertech USA uh, and wanted to buy in and be be owners in their in markets and cities that they lived in as well. So uh, we've got a very wide range. There's, I mean, commodity traders and um, there's Olympians. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that are, that's in the ownership group. So, but one thing that's really, that really stands out is, or a couple things would be is one is that they're wanting to work in the business. I mean, this is a service company. You have to be heavily involved. Um, the culture you build within your organization is important. So either the owner has to want to run the business right on the day to day, or they have to employ somebody that has the same passions they do. Uh, and somebody that's going to drive it in because like we were talking about how do you deliver to the customer and how you how you continue to keep the customer a lot of that is that independent independently owned and operated business on a local level and that relationship they build with the customer it's very easy to fire Pertec. it's hard to fire rob right when rob's doing a good job and rob comes and visits them every week and rob comes and, and takes care of him and takes them to lunch it's hard to quit rob all right. So, uh, so we try to instill that from training and support. And that's why that owner working in the business in resilience, I think would be a second thing. Right. And then, and you can tell a lot about people as you're going through it and all franchise franchisors try to evaluate candidates and look at them different ways. Right. But resilience is a big one. Starting a business is not easy. Um, it doesn't matter what business it is. It doesn't matter what franchise it is. It doesn't matter how quick they say to start up or how it doesn't matter, right? Starting a business is difficult um, and it has struggles and there's things that they don't even, they don't even anticipate before they open. um, And it all just hits them at once, right? So if they have, if they have the resiliency to focus on the day-to-day tasks, this is what I need to do today. This is what I need to do today and just keep focusing one day at a time. um, You'll see owners achieve success and success varies by owner, right? I mean, what they, what they view is, and that's all in their perception, but as long as if you have happy owners and successful owners, I mean, you're going to have a good brand, great validation, and things are going to move forward. So obviously we're, we're a very technical business by nature. Uh, so when these people, most people are not out looking for a hydraulic and industrial hose franchise, right? I can tell you, it's not a commonly searched keyword. We just, we talk about this with our agency a lot. Um, we rank very well on hydraulic franchise, so we're, we're good there. But but what we need to focus on is, is getting into some of these common keywords and ways to get it. People a lot of times just come across us, and what attracts them is that it's a business-to-business type industry. It's service, right? And it's a product that's a necessity for business to operate. I mean, our tagline is we'll keep you operating, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, and so when they see those factors and they can get over the hydraulic hose part and get over the fact that they, they are not supposed to be the ones making the hose uh, that they should employ for that, they can really see some value in the business and, and how, how the model could work. Um, so we get a lot, we, we get a, over the last five years or so, we've really increased the number of leads, the awareness of our brand as we've continued to grow. We're getting, we've always had great candidates and a, a foundation of great legacy owners and a lot of our new ownership uh, that's coming in is very, very good as well and very diverse, very resilient in driving the business forward and we're seeing great results. Uh, but from being the fact that we're technical in nature, we do have to provide a lot of support, right? So they have two weeks of training here where we're teaching them the technical aspect. Um, we're also teaching them all the the software and business operating the, the, per, the franchise business. 
Then we do two weeks of support on site and helping them with the technical aspects and the technicians, making sure they're set up for, um, for, for the first job and that they can perform the first job well. And, and then we help them with sales. We have a portfolio of national accounts. Um, so we have a, a team here that focuses on national accounts to make sure that they have that, at least that foundation of something to start with. Um, yeah. doesn't guarantee them anything, right? But what it gives them is a ticket in the game. Uh, something, yeah. something to be able to walk in and say, Hey, we have a national account with you, right? I want to be able to, yeah. I want to be able to service you and show you what we got. So it, it gives them, gives them something there. And then we provide them ongoing support, uh, on site over the phone. I mean, we have webinars, we have, um, we, we have, think we use Frank Connect and we have like university yeah. videos on different tasks. I mean, we have 1 800 numbers that they can call one, uh, 24 hours a day. And we tell our ownership that our, uh, the owners is that you operate 24 seven, we operate 24 seven. So if you need something, yeah. You contact us, we work through it. We'll make sure that w- whenever you're servicing a customer, it looks like you've been in business for a long time and that you have the, the resources and everything behind you to help be successful. But we try to make sure that they, they know and they feel and they operate as if they're independently owned and operated because it is their business, right? And we want them to feel that way. We want them to have the ability to make decisions and, and do the things they need to move their business forward, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, I love I love the the B two B myself. That's a big part of my background, and you know, other than franchising, um, and you said something earlier about uh, they're buying Rob. Yeah, and I said, yeah, I'm thinking. I remember I was taught a long time ago. You know, when someone's buying from you or you have a business relationship, it's they're going to work with you. There's three things. Like there's they they either trust your company, trust your what you're saying, your service, your product, or trust you. Those three things. Yep. Now you provide the other two, so it really just leaves it up to them to focus on that relationship, right? Because they're not going to question your ability to deliver or your product because you're doing it at a high level all the time. So that's where it leaves the relationship. So that's key, and and that's uh, if you if you like that sort of model, that's that's a cool model. So you can just focus there. Um, I know there's other things too, but tell me a little bit about um, how is technology. Uh, and we didn't talk a lot about it. Let's talk about uh, in, in inside of operations first, and then yep. if if you could share anything about on the marketing side or sales side when they're when they're growing, if there's any tech there. You mentioned Google and things, but tell me more on the operations. Like I, you know, running the thing. I know it's a it's an industrial thing, uh, business model, but I'm sure there's a lot of tech that has to make that work. Monitoring systems and and communication and. But tell me about the tech. Tell me about how that works. Yeah, so we have we have an ERP system that we use, and we try to keep it all funneled into one for a lot of the main pieces that they need. Obviously, we are a business that is kind of inventory heavy, so they've got to be able to manage that inventory, manage it effectively, right? I mean, inventory is essentially cash on the shelf until it's sold, so you don't want to sit on inventory that's never going to sell. Um, so we, we provide them with an ERP system that they're able to use that helps, helps them with that inventory management, um, as well as a CRM. We talk about sales. Um, we're pretty, and this is a service company. We do a lot of, we do a lot of Google. Um, we do a lot of paid media and social, social ads and all of that to drive customers in, but really we call it, we're a B2B business, which means belly to belly. Um, yeah. staying in front of the customers and staying with them, so even if they're not using you, staying in front of them, if they're using you, staying in front of them, I mean, and making sure you're continuing to build that relationship that goes a long way. Uh, and as, as our business, as our owners come in, right, they're on this, they're on this trajectory and they're just growing, um, every month's 
you're growing month over month and how do you maintain staying in front of the customers and doing all the other responsibilities right mm. um so the the c the, the erp system will control their customer maintenance and their crm um invoicing um, when it comes to um uh, inventory management all of that uh, we do recommend that they use gps since we have mobile vans on the road you want gps so they've got some dispatching software and gps that they use uh, to make sure that they're keeping an eye on their vehicles and they can ensure they're getting value propositions are upheld because we operate with a one-hour eta um, yeah. so they, they have some of that but otherwise we're pretty we're pretty uh ancient when it comes to that not a lot of tech um yeah well you just I mean, said a lot of tech, tech. Yeah. hidden tech yeah. right not that not the gadgets we don't have a mobile app Right. Everybody <laughs> wants the mobile app. We don't have a mobile app yet. So we yeah. haven't figured that out. But yeah, we haven't got that yet. All right. Well, maybe soon. Um but so so you know, this is this is enlightening because I don't know a lot about the business. Um B2B. Um I, I could see where you could build probably a, a really significant income, right? Uh just the nature of it. It's it's businesses that are operating at a high level, some of them probably larger. This is mission critical. They pay, they pay for a premium service. So obviously, as you bring in new accounts, that can just keep building. And, and I'm sure yep. at some point you you scale, you teach them how to deal with growth and scale, um, which again is is a hidden, huge hidden benefit that with franchising that comes later, right? Like after that's the good problem to have after you've done it for a little while. Now you're like, oh my God, I'm I'm growing. How do I do this? How do I hire people or more? Um but you know, basically, um, I guess where I was going with that is, what does it take to get into the opportunity? Like, you know, in terms of the financials, just a, a range. Like, what are we talking about? And then, what is the potential? Again, in a, in a range, I know you can't make specific, uh, be too specific. But what are we? What are we saying? It, would it take to get into it? And what could it be for someone down the road in terms of its financial potential? And maybe just add a little color to. Is there multi-unit? Is there? What are the different ways that people scale? Yeah. So, um, so to give you an option or give you kind of some perspective on the initial investment. So, um, we have we have one we have one model. It's you have a brick and mortar building, so that's for customers to come and buy their hose assemblies. You got to remember, hydraulic hoses are custom um, to the machine. They can't just buy a hydraulic hose on Amazon, so it has to be done locally. Uh, they have to take it off. They have to, it has to be measured. The fitting's got to match. Everything's got to be same, same, and you can't do that online. Um, so, so you have to have a brick and mortar building to store your inventory and to have that as the counter service. And then you have mobile vans on the road. So we offer two ways to be able to get into that. Uh, so tier one, you start with the full model. Tier two, you start with the mobile vans and you grow into the full model over a three-year period. And that's available in specific markets, not available everywhere. Depends on the market. Um, but so the initial investment for overall is we say 750,000, um, that's for working capital. That's for initial investment to get the store open is about 400 to 500,000. And then having working capital on hand, obviously we're doing service companies. So you'll have to deal with net terms, uh, with a lot of customers, right? So you want to be able to weather that storm when you first open up. Um, so that's why we want more working capital when you come into the business. Um, and then tier two, you, you're able to come in without the building up front. So it's a little bit less capital expense up front. So you're under the 400,000, maybe around 200, 250. Um, and you're able to come in and be able to scale it from there and develop into your brick and mortar over a three year period. So we try to give two options for people. Um, and it's, if they were to inquire, we would tell them what's available and what market, if, if they were uh, had specific areas they were looking at, um, 
currently today, obviously we have 145 locations. So in most of those, almost a hundred of those have come in the last seven years. So we've had a lot of expansion here over the last uh, seven years or so. Yeah. Uh, and our average unit volume right now is around 1.1 million. So um, there's there's definitely some scale to it, um, and we're even yeah. see, we've seen that increase over the last couple of years. Um, we've had great success during COVID, where we only went down we we're only down three percent over prior year um, in COVID. So people still needed hydraulic hose, but we talked about our owners and their, their resiliency and the good foundation of legacy owners we have is that that really showed during COVID when they were uh, servicing the customers and making hoses on the side of the road and. That's a benefit of doing mobile, right? Is that you can you can mm-hmm. still keep going, and um, but it doesn't matter what what it is if it's COVID or if it's a recession or we find a way to be able to make it through, um, and the hoses are still needed. That's the that's the benefit of our models that we are recession resistant. We're COVID resistant. We're an essential service, right? I mean, yeah. We, yeah, people need people need what we're selling. Um, and you said what about uh, when you're talking about multi unit? We have a good chunk mm-hmm. about a, a little over a third of our owners are multi unit owners. Uh, we have an owner that owns nine locations, um, mm. and then we have we have obviously people that own two and three and four. So there's some scale to it. Um, yeah. Depends on what market you're going into. Um, obviously, you want them to be adjacent and close together, right? So you can kind of build out. You don't want to do one on East Coast West Coast. That's a little tough. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, there's definitely some scale, and we're seeing more and more people get into multi-unit um, as the. M- the brand is very strong right now. It's very recognized from an international perspective, from a national perspective. Um, so we get a lot of interest in the brand, but we get even, we've had a lot of our owners expand here over the last couple of years. And a lot of that is yeah. they're seeing the success of the brand and where we're going and uh, they want, they want to be a part of it and they want to capture, right? Cause their businesses are growing and they need more to be able to support what they were, what they start. And then they need more to be able to support the market. So. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, all right. So, you just said something at the last minute there that I wanted to ask you about, which is the the dri- the driver of the growth of the market, right? Um, what is behind? Like, what what would the next ten years look like? And you know, and I'm sure since you service probably, I mean, I don't know, such a broad array of the economy, uh, I would assume it's an interesting answer. But what really drives the growth, and how do you see that unfolding over the next, call it ten years? Well, the need's always there. It doesn't matter if there's a recession or not, or yeah. where the economy's at. The need for hydraulic hoses are there. In a good economy, they buy new equipment, and their people are fixing the old. And in a down economy, they're not buying new equipment, and they're fixing the old, right? So they're, they're, the need is still there. It's like tires yeah. on a car, right? People still drive their cars and need tires. doesn't matter what the economy is. <laughs> they just might tires. run them a little bit longer, and they blow more, but uh, it, the same. The concept is the same. Um so the the need the need is always there. Um, so go back to your repeat your question again. I got lost. Right, so is there certain industries like that are poised to grow yep. that kind of are linked to you that would cause? I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking is like, oh, this this thing is booming, and so you're gonna they're gonna need a hydraulic hoses, and you know, like the, the thought like if you think of the the, the self driving car market or the electric car market, what does that mean for battery providers, right? Uh, certainly there's potential that that could explode for them because of another market. But is there anything like that in your space that you see happening that's, oh my goodness, that's really growing and that's going to affect us? Or is it just really broad across all those essential businesses that, I mean, construction, I guess you could say, well, if construction is booming, then maybe that would drive things. But that's kind of what I'm saying is, is there other related uh, uh, trends that you see that would affect you know, general growth 
in general? Yeah, so we, we obviously you alluded to, we have a pretty broad customer range. I think the most common industry we work with is construction, and that can be cyclical, right? Um, I mean, it can have an ebbs and flows to that. If you're in the north, right, it could be gangbusters from April to November, and then it slows down for a little bit. But that's why we really focus on our, our franchisees building a diverse customer base, not going heavily weighted on just national accounts or heavily weighted on just on construction or recycling or something along those lines. We want them to have a wide range of customers so they can weather the storm or whatever that is. So if there is, if there is, let's say it's a market specific concern and there's a slowdown in, um, and construction, you want to be able to lean on your manufacturing and recycling and which is still operating a hundred percent. But if you don't, if you don't try to build that, uh, diverse customer base, then you'll you'll see some cyclical results, and I think that's in any industry, not really unique to ours. Um, we have seen the the heavy equipment industry and kind of try to come out with electric equipment. But the problem is, is it still needs hydraulic power, or it's not not really a problem. It's a benefit for us, but uh, it, a downside for whoever's trying to build the electric equipment. But it still yeah. needs the hydraulic power, so you still need the oil, you still need the hose. Uh, it still needs to be, there's just nothing that replaces today um, hydraulic power. Um, and the good thing, like we talked about earlier, is that our business can't be done online. So uh, it's the local relationship and the old parts counter, right? Or the old parts mm-hmm. guy that comes out to your, I mean, we're not that. We're very clean. We're organized. We're uh, very yeah. premium premium service, but um, but it's you just can't replace that, right? It's yeah. getting it quick, getting it now and getting you back up and running. That's what really what customers That's matter. what matters. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I was, I, I, thanks for answering that. Cause I actually wasn't thinking how it affects your equipment, but that's good to know, right? It, it, your equipment is sort of what it is. And it's not really going to change. Um, and you'll evolve anyway. I, I'm, I'm more than sure that, that you guys can handle that. Um, but yeah, just knowing that, but it was also, I think it's unique that, that you can have diverse industries in your business model. Yeah. I, I think that's, that makes it a no a no brainer. Really, you just have to kind of do business across the you know the different models, and you're fine. And some will be booming, and some won't. And it just depends on on where we are. But that's good that you could do that. You could diversify. Um, so, just just in terms of uh, and, and before you know we wrap things up, um, I is there anything that uh, you could share with the audience uh, just in your experience? And I, I also wanted to touch on your growth. Um, you mentioned that you you added about a hundred uh, uh, owners or, or locations in, in the last seven years. So I wanted you to talk to me about where you see that growth going. What are some of the goals? But I also know you've got some anniversaries and some other you know some other you know, leverage behind you. So I know you're kind of poised for for a little bit of growth here. But tell me a little bit more about all that and where you see things going in the coming years. Yeah. So Pertech. Um- Today we or this this year we're celebrating our 25th anniversary here in the U.S. Uh, so we're we're excited about that. Our ownership group and here at Protect USA we're celebrating that. Um, we've we've evolved a lot over 25 years, uh, but I think the next 25 years are going to run at a little bit faster pace. Um, really, the last since 2014 to today we've grown from 47 locations to now today we're at 145. So we're approaching 150. Um, in 2020 we celebrated our 100th location, right? And we thought that was the that was one of our original goals is let's get to 100 by 2020, right? So, okay, we achieved it. Now it's to the next thing. So our next thing is to get to uh, get to 300 locations. Um, so we're, we're well on our way, but we want to do that here within the next five years. Um, wow. so, so we want we want to grow pretty quickly. 
Uh, we have some new strategic investors. If you like, we were talking about earlier today with Princeton mm-hmm. Equity Groups. So we're excited about the the knowledge and franchising that they bring with all the franchise experience that they have. Um, yeah. and we we've gotten to this level. Uh, we're at 145 locations. We just did our expansion to Canada, so we launched our first couple locations in Canada here in 2023. Uh, so we've had some great growth, right? But how do we get to that 300? How do we get to 400? How do we steadily grow effectively in those two countries? And I think Princeton Agri Group helps add that that level of knowledge and uh, intellectual capital, right? That we need to 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 get us yeah. to the next phase, right? So we're yeah. excited about that. So I like that trickle down. You know, like I said, being a franchisee is. It's a great feeling to be a local business owner and an entrepreneur, but it's also a great feeling to have so much uh, great uh, resource behind you. And uh, sounds like you're you're adding to that. And again, it's it's uh, it helps everybody. Momentum is is everywhere. It's, it's it's you guys succeed. It helps the local operators. There's yeah. more scale. There's more momentum. There's more visibility. It's just it's just natural. Everybody's starting to do a little better, as you said. Some of your franchisees are just naturally growing, and so the whole network is just growing. Every 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 location over time will keep doing that. Now you take take the strategy you have now to add units and locations and. There you go. But that helps every individual in the in the network. And that's yeah. good stuff. Is there um I just wanted to kind of leave the audience with this. Is there uh I know you said you came to the industry from outside of the industry. And I might add, I might just mention that the growth seems to coincide close to when you joined. So I'm just saying you, you might have helped a little. <laughs> you might have helped a little with that growth, having a guy like you. Um, but is there um is there like a tip or uh, any any advice you might give someone that's looking in to starting a business and potentially is attracted uh, to Pertech? Um, yeah, but I, I would talk about the growth a little bit. That a lot of that is all about our team. Uh, I mean, we've we've more than doubled our team here at Pertech USA. We have franchise owners and the work that they're doing, the employees of the franchise locations and the work that they're doing. I think it it goes beyond just what my, I've done or my team's done or employees of Pertech USA have done. I think it's a collective effort to get to where we're at. Um, so, and everybody's everybody's doing their part, right? And that's what you, in order to have a good organization, become a great organization and take it to the levels that you want to take it to, everybody's got to do their role um, and and do it and, and execute well. And I think that our team members have done that either on the franchise owner side or on our side. So it's not all, it's not all because of me. So well done, Nick. Up, right? So yeah. uh, you like how oh, I, I like you, So, but. <laughs> Um, we even wear these bracelets that say partnering for franchise success. Um, yeah. So, and this cool. is all of our employees here at Protect USA wear these. Um, cool. So we're, we're very proud to support our franchise owners and providing the resource that they need to run their independently owned and operated businesses. But we're a franchisor and we're trying to grow. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so we've got to put the pieces in place to accelerate and do it the right way and do it responsibly. Right. You don't want yeah, to grow right. and, um, and have a bunch of closures or bring negative publicity to your brand. So um, we're, we're, we're definitely doing, focusing on doing it the right way. Um, but when it comes to, um, yeah, when it, when it comes to our brand, we're on, we're on the right trajectory. We've got the right yeah. people in place. And like I said, we're, we're moving in the right direction. I forgot yeah, the second yeah. your question there. Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm glad you did added that. I, yeah, we have conversations a lot about growth. And one of the things that comes up a lot is just being responsible, right? Yep. And because the key is just success at each, at each location. And, and then the part, um, the part about you know the sales and marketing department versus the service delivery and operations teams, it's like you got each other's back. You got to have each other's back. It is a team effort. 
you can tee it up, but it's got to it's got to happen on the back end for that to keep happening. So I got you on that too. But I just yeah. wanted to comment. I I know they they brought you in to take sales seriously, and it seems it's it's working well. Um, I do remember so the second great. part of your question, Rob. I do remember. The oh, you do. Part. All right, yeah. So what is the tip? What do you think is is there a tip or some advice? Because you know you're dealing with them every day when you talk to folks. But if they're wondering about starting a franchise business, uh, and obviously yours is unique. What kind of advice would you have? Well, I would say if you're if you're a potential franchisee looking to become a, a franchisee of any any brand, um, I think you've got to do your proper due diligence. Um, make sure you're reviewing the FDD. Look at the different aspects of the of the business. But the biggest key is validation. Don't just go off the FDD and just don't go off what the franchisor saying. The, a lot of the what you want to know about the brand is in the validation. We're fortunate to have great validation, but that just doesn't happen by accident. That's a that's a culture you build within the within the franchisor, um, and also that shows you that franchisees are having success. Right? They're gonna they're going they're going to scream from the mountaintops when they're having success, and they're going to scream from two mountaintops if they're not. So, um, so which rightfully so, right? So we want to make yeah. sure that. As if somebody's looking into a franchise system, do your due diligence and get to the validation. That'll really tell you a lot about the brand. Uh, but you also, if you've gotten to the point to where, I guess a second caveat to that is if you're if you're a potential franchisee looking at a franchise brand, you've already done the hard work. They've already looked for a long time before they made the call, right? So if you've you've made the call, see it through to the end, and don't be afraid to take that leap because there's a lot of franchise brands and there's a lot of success stories out there. If the cards are in line and you're, you're comfortable from a financial perspective to make that leap, just take it. Um, there could be a, there could be some positive. Yeah. I, yeah I, it's tremendous, tremendous. No, I mean that, that part about validation too is interesting. I mean, I love the fact that you have that. I mean, most of the time, if you're going to buy a business, if it's not a franchise business, and, and let's say it is a business that's operating as as revenues and things. You only have the business owner, and, and maybe there's a there's a intermediary of some kind. But you know, with franchising, you you really can speak if you want to to the whole network. I think right. Yeah. I mean, you could pretty much if you wanted to take the time to call everyone. But I mean, that's that's an open book. It's so much transparency. I don't know if everybody understands that's how franchising works, and it really is about making sure it's the right fit. There's a process of recruitment. And you're awarded a franchise. So it's a little bit of a hybrid of you're making an investment, but you're also being selected because everybody wants it to be a win-win. And part of it, yep. you, you, know, you have to be real about that. So you guys have obviously been focused on that or else you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be growing continually. Because, uh, yeah, that, that becomes apparent, as you said, the double mountaintop starts to happen more often. So uh, <laughs> they're, they're, a little, they're a little bit more of that than the other, and you don't want that to happen. So, well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, Nick. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And to our listeners, thanks again for tuning in and bye for now.